Hello everyone, welcome to the first and um, maybe, who knows, uh, the last extra or additional episode of Competitive Magic with the Carnies. Here I am, I'm alone today, I'm Javier Dominguez from Spain and I'm going to do an audio deck guide uh, of Black Red Midrange, Black Red Midrange in Pioneer. Um, so traditionally this kind of content is uh, made on articles or Google Docs or whatever, um, they're usually behind a paywall. Um, we're not going to do that here. I don't really like that model much. So we're going to make this open for the people. But if you think this content was good for you and you think that's something you will have paid for, knowing what it is, uh, then, you know, that's, that would be cool if you will uh, subscribe to our Patreon, Patreon Carnies. And if you don't, well, I hope you still liked it. Uh, you know, or you don't, or if your economics do not allow to do such a thing, that's fine. But yeah, I think this model is is better for content. I I prefer it, so we're gonna go with this and see how it goes. Um, so the guide itself, I'm gonna try. I'm going to try to keep it like not too long. The idea is, you know, you can just listen to this some any, uh, anywhere. Um, but I'm just gonna go through. All the basics we will cover in an article, just like explain all the different decisions and then just talk about the different matchups, right? So let's start. Um, Ragdos Midrange. Uh, well, Ragdos Midrange is, has been already for many, many months the most played deck in Pioneer. It's usually the most played deck in any challenge. Uh, it was the most played deck in the PT, also in, I assume, most of the RCs when they happened last year. Why is that, right? Like, why is black, red, mid-range so appealing? Why it's, like, so sticky? Um, well, the big difference between this deck and other decks that are presumably better in power level, like, I don't know, Lotus or Monogreen even, which are, you know, are probably more powerful, is that it's not easy to have a very good plan against black, red without, you know, making your deck way worse against uh, other things. But the other way around, black, red can actually make a very good set of planning against the other decks. And that's why whenever there's the metagame is like condensated in a few decks, Black Red does better. And usually it just gets so much better possible that this keeps being like a good deck, even though uh, it's rarely like a high win rate deck. Like if you look at the win rates for the PT, whatever, RCs and the such, uh, Black Red is never super high. So it's always the most played, but it's never like, um, like a best deck or anything, like afterwards. Uh, I said I, I saw someone labeling this deck as a very bad best deck of Pioneer, and it does make sense. Like it's very sticky; it's not easy to get this out of metagame, but it's also never like a, an excellent choice, right? So, why should you play Black Red? Well, um, so for first, uh, the first reason is if you think you can narrow down what you're going to, to expect in the tournament, like if you can read the metagame. That's a big starting point for Black Red because then you can prepare your sideboard. You know, like if you know which decks will not be there, then you can have enough cyber slots to, you know, to focus on the actual matchups that you will play. And two, uh, if you play this kind of deck very well, that's also a reason. Like this deck, it's a Thoughtseize deck. Thoughtseize is an extremely hard, like, card to play with. Um, you also have Fables. You know, this whole, like, reactive card sometimes are hard. Uh... I think if you are the kind of player that really plays well this deck, this type of deck, that's another reason to play this one. Uh, another reason to play Ragdos is the lack of other good options. Like, let's say you don't play too much Pioneer, or you don't have good knowledge of any other deck, but you're like, you play out of standard or whatever, then you can move into Black Red. Like, that's pretty easy. And I assume that has to be one of the biggest reasons for this deck to be so popular. Because I assume not that many players that play a lot of Pioneer actually, you know, go on like, oh, I only play Black Red. Even though, even so, like if you only play Black Red, it's probably good for you to spend some time actually playing the decks you're trying to beat, because that's often how you really, you know, get to to know how to thoughts as well, and that applies to like every kind of mid range interactive deck or whatever. All right, <clears throat> um, let's just start with the actual deck list. I'm, I will post my deck list like uh, along with the podcast, but basically it's a mash of what I had for the PT. And what I've played for like months because my, my deck for the PT was very similar to my deck for for Sofia. And a little bit of a mix with what Yasoka played in the PT. Um, <clears throat> there's a few things I want to talk about. Um, 
mana base first. Mana base was for me the biggest difference between my deck and Yasoka. It was my mana base and Liliana. Uh, I will address Liliana later. But pr- what happened with Yasoka is he played a lot of Black Oak Cliffs, which I consider very bad. But in exchange, he got to play 26 lands and mutables. Um, so Blackguard is a deck. Like The easiest way to lose with this deck is because you mana screw. Uh, mana screw, though, in this deck doesn't mean you miss the second land drop. It can mean, mean you miss the fourth land for Shieldred, sometimes even the fifth land to animate the Madland or whatever. So this is a mana, very mana-hungry deck. You have Blood Tokens, you have Croxa, you have Bungbusters, you have a lot of cards that actually demand you to use the mana. Even, you know, like, if you play Castle Lodgewain, which is something that Yasoka didn't play to play the, um, to play um, the Mutables, you know, that that's something like, you can choose to play which direction, 25 lands with castles, no cliffs, or 26 with some cliffs, uh, Mutables, and no castles. Unfortunately, also, 26 lands and Mutables mean you should play Ulborg. Uh, I said in the podcast, I think Gurbar is a scam. I think the card line is very bad in the normal black-red. But if you play the mutable version, uh, Urbar becomes like a, something you have to play because it's, it's good with mutable, of course. So for me, that's one of the downsides of playing mutable. There's two there's two, two like lists uh, I would recommend in the situation. I am not highly sure which one is better. Uh, as now, I'm trying this like 26 land approach, um, Yasoka way. Well, the big upside for me is the 26 land allow you, allow you to have like less misses on the Fable of Mirror Breaker, pretty much. And also like less misses on the Bambust or Shieldred or whatever. Uh, is it worth it? Uh, I mean, it's tricky because it also depends on the metagame. Because um, against many decks, Fable is critical. It's like the best piece you can have. But then sometimes you play against, I don't know, White Winnie and Fable is like a filler, kind of, right? So you, you need to be to be conscious of like, it, depending on the metagame, I will play one deck or the other. For example, against combo decks, I think the mana base of Yasoka is much better. Mutables adds pressure. Um, you play more Fables, you play like a more aggressive plan because you, you can rely on playing more creatures. But if you play a metagame with control, for example, playing one less land, and playing Castle Lodgewain obviously, you know, makes a huge difference. But you're never gonna win the game with Castle Lodgewain against creativity. So it's not only like I'm not super sure which version is better, but because it kind of relies on the metagame, like it depends on the metagame quite a bit. So if you spec a lot of combo, I will go for 26, and if you spec uh, more attrition, I think in the middle match I prefer the Castle one. Mutabolt is not not great in the middle match, but Castle Lodgewain is. So that, that that's an awesome matchup where I will play twenty five, but it'll, and then there's like a lot of decks where it will might look like it's a tempo based game, but particularly after sideboard having Castle Lodgewain actually makes a huge difference, which is like angels for example. Uh, so if there's a lot of angels as well, I would rather have the Castle Lodgewain uh, mana base, right? So it depends on what you expect. Then again, I will post the two deck list, but that's that's the whole idea. Um, all right, so that's a mana base. Uh, Urbork's a scam. I like untapped lands. Um, pretty much the rest is straightforward. Um, I'm just going to go through these spells a little bit. So we both, me and Jessica, we played the um, Tures Mendek, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, I think that's a, that's a card that's very good in matchup. I'm not 100% sure he played it on the main deck, but I think he did. But anyway, like I had in both, both, option, both versions because the card's just good in the format. It's, it's dead against, dead against um, aggro or whatever, like mono-white, but against combat decks, you often need one piece of interaction to have enough time to actually get there. Uh, so I think the rest main deck is, is good. Thoughts is push, obviously, like... Um, you know, locked or whatever. They're two mana removals. They both can suck, but they're both like decent. Like power kill and dreadboard. You have to play a split of them. Uh, Harvester is silently one of the best cards in Pioneer. Uh, we talk about this in the podcast a little bit, but like I just, you know, this is like the new Tarmogoyf or whatever. This card is like very good in Pioneer and it's very good in um, in standard. Like just super good. But it doesn't play mo- well. It doesn't get C playing modern, but it's not like Tarmogoyf sees a lot of playing modern <laughs> nowadays anymore. But, you know, it's not a Tarmogoyf, but it's a card that's just simply very good, even though it looks like a, an uncommon filler for like a draft set or whatever. So those eight cards are like locked. 
other than that, I want to talk a little bit about Mr. Shadow. Uh, it's a card we both played in a PT. Um, Mr. Shadow is pretty much a cyborg card that just that's excellent against Margarine and it's fine against combat decks, but very bad against the rest. Like, of course, there's a, there's a a floor on how bad a card like this can be, but it's particularly weak against a mirror match or decks like Phoenix or whatever. Um, so I will only play Mystery Shadow if I expect a lot of Monogreen, which doesn't seem to be the case now. Uh, but in, even if I'm, you know, like unsure, I think it's fine to go with zero, and I will probably not go with more than one unless I expect a lot of Monogreen. So this is a card that is particularly bad in multiples. So the first copy is much better than the second. Like even against a combo deck, you don't really want to draw two. So I would probably play zero right now, as I said, but if you expect some amount of mono green, I would play only one. I think two Mr. Shadow means um, you, sh you expect like quite a bit of mono green. Uh, that said, Mr. Shadow is, I think, a little bit better on the 25 land deck, even though that might seem counterintuitive, but it's because Mutabolt actually taxes your mana being the aggressor, Shadow is a little bit less needed, so I, I will probably just not play that card right now. Uh, Kroxa, this is a... Uh, I just think Kroxa is incredible. I think Kroxa is one of the reasons for this deck to actually be the um, the other attrition decks. I rarely cyber out Kroxa than, than a few matchups. Like, I never go that be below one Kroxa. It, it's... Uh, this is the major point where we disagree. Uh, I think the Mutabolt is actually very bad with Kroxa, but Ulborg helps a little bit, um, you know, with this. But I think Kroxa is extremely important. And for me, now, if I had to play a tournament, I would play 25. And the biggest reason for this is because Mutabolt and Kroxa have tension. I think Kroxa is more important than Mutabolt, but I could be wrong here, so that's why I'm experimenting with it. But I will default to it for this reason. I think Kroxa is just, like, it's the, the red-black Udo, and it just does so much for this deck, particularly matches that are supposed to be... Uh, Bad, just so many games you can still with Croxa. Uh, Croxa usually it would play well with Liliana, but in this case it has tension because you often have to choose with each other between each other. Uh, Shota went with uh, Liliana for a tournament. I think that's only correct. Like, I thought it's only good if you expect specifically a lot of combo and mono green. Uh, if that's the case, I think that's reasonable, but I will not do that going forward, particularly in the mirror. Also, like the Croxa is so good. You know, that, that, it just cannot be replaced, right? So um, I think that that's um, that, that's to me a clear point. I will not recommend playing the deck, this deck without Kroxa. I, I, yeah, I just will not play the deck without Kroxa probably, but yeah, I feel strong about this um, for sure. In addition to Kroxa, so the other two drop we can play is um, Reconner Van Buster and Hearse. Uh, Rekord of Ambassador is at this point kind of stuck as a one-off in the main deck, can be one or two-off. It's good in the mirror, but also like a fine card to have, um, you know, to attack. I like it even more if I don't have uh, Mystery Shadow, you know, so I have enough pressure. And I like to have two vehicles. The second one could be a Ambassador or something I recommend now, because how heavy the metagame is on Grisfang uh, or hers. Uh, I actually think Grisfang is one of the best decks in Pioneer right now. It's certainly one of the most played, if not the, the most played in the, you know, among the best players in the Magical Lion Problems, Challenges, Leagues, or whatever. I think Bagrat is more played, but I think among the most regulars actually play Grisfang. And I know Grisfang is a deck that's particularly weak in one against Hurts. So I think having one of these is actually pretty good when it shows up. It's much better for open decklist, of course, or if you have like a small RCQ and you know what to playing against, so you can actually you know, money or not, based on knowing what you play against, the deck, this the card becomes way better. But overall, the fact that it's also fine against most decks game one, like, it gives you a little bit more of game against Graveyard. Uh, particularly, I like playing Hearse if I don't play Shadow. Because Hearse, it's actually relevant against Monogreen. You get to exile, like, some of the cards. You get to you, you, you can kill a troll and then exile it with the trigger on the stack. Same with Cavalier. So even though it looks like Hearst's a card that you will not want to play against green, it actually, I think you should play it if you don't play Shadow because of mono green, right? Um, you're going to see like a lot of this black-red deck is about just making sure all the pieces go together, but that that's, that's uh, something, I mean, this is true for most decks, to be fair, but it's also important here, right? So um, depending on your metagame, I will go that way. Then again, I will, I will play the 25 
decklist I'm going to post. But if you think 26 is better because your metagame is uh, more aggressive, uh, that's fine too. In both cases, I will go with um, Hearse and No Shadow. If you expect a lot of monitoring, then you should probably play uh, sh- uh, Shadows. Like, if you play a lot of monogreen, you play two Shadows, but then I will play 25 lands. And I think that's a... Clear at this point, right? Uh, so moving forward to three drops, I talk about Liliana. I think Liliana is worse than Croxa. I'm not a big fan of it, of her. Um, it's good with mutables, but also doesn't play as bad as it looks with Castle because you know empty hands or whatever. Not a huge fan. I played it recently, and I was playing with one copy main deck because you know there's some meta games and it's a lot. It's a lot of those creativity or such. It's a good card, but those decks don't seem like they are common enough. Nowadays, and just a lot of Reese or whatever. Sure, Croxa is not very good against Reese but Liliana is even worse because Croxa can actually be useful post cyber, and that's something I will talk about later when I go to the matchups. But I like having the Croxas more than I have. Uh, I like to have Liliana's, even against like, like Control or whatever, where Liliana is supposed to be good. I think it's not what it, it used to be. Like Shard Typhoon or Corsa Wandering Emperor makes it so you cannot be like, you know, I'm going to play this card spell, a Liliana, Liliana's going to take over the game because they have no answers. That's not true. They have a lot of like, you know, like, uh, accidental creatures, which are actually going to attack the Plusswalker. So I will not play Liliana right now. I recommend, like, zero copies of this card. Uh, Bonecrusher, Fable, like, Locked, Four Offs, the, those are super important cards for the deck. And I will also be kind of locked on two Trespassers and three Shieldreds. Uh, Trespassers, it's kind of bad. It's just, like, a cure filler, but also keeps some hands in check, some cards, like, Memory Deluge, you know, Grisfang itself, sometimes you can catch a card. And Shieldred, well, I think Shieldred is hyper important in this deck, uh, but it just simply doesn't die enough to play four. But if the removal was worse for Shieldred, this deck will be worse also, but you will probably want to play four. Um, all right. <clears throat> so I'm going to do, this is the main deck. This is how I will configure the main deck. Then again, this is a deck that's very dependent on the metagame. Uh, this is not like one slot only thing. Again, I want to I want to stress this because it's very important in this deck. You have to make sure every every change you make is cohesive with the rest of the deck. This hers, you know, shadow whatever situation is is very it's very important to make everything match. Uh, now, then again, I, w- I will play three power or kill because of the Grisfang situation. But if it changed, I think you can just move this interaction card to something like. The second duress to get in the cyber slot or second bombuster if you want to play more vehicles even though i will not recommend that unless you expect a lot of control but i can see just like also being liliana if if you expect a combo metagame but not enough so you play mutables you can play liliana over the um, third power kill but i will advise against that unless there's a specifically a combo based uh metagame okay liliana is not as bad as it might look in the mirror match because people have Bangbuster, but it's still miserable to draw her against Bangbuster. Uh, remember, Bangbuster kind of banned Liliana from standard, and that's still true for Pioneers, right? So, so let's just, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Alright, that's, that's the main deck. That's what I think about the main deck. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about is Sokensen and Takenuma. Um, I do like Sokensen a lot. Uh, Shota didn't play it, but he also didn't play any mountains because of the cliffs. But I think Sokensen is just too good not to play. Uh, and about Takenuma, some versions used with Castle used to play like uh, more swamps. I think Takenuma is just too important with Croxa. So I will only cut Takenuma if I play Castles and don't play Croxa. But then again, I will not advise doing that, just to be clear. Um, yeah, don't play without Sokensen, please. So, <clears throat> Cyborg, um, instead of going through every card on the Cyborg, uh, what I'm going to do is just talk about the ones I don't play, because the ones I play, I will talk about them when I talk about the matchups, right? So uh, this way, we don't double information as much, which I think is good. Uh, the biggest absence in my Cyborg is uh, Rital of Sud. Rital of Sud is a card that's critical against um, Angels. Like it, it's that is the matchup that actually you know swings uh, the, the most with this card because they have like the most no good answer to it. Uh, also, fine obviously against the Spirit or White, but they are, those are like decent matchups anyway. And the issue with Rital of Sud is if you play Rital of Sud, you have to play less extinction events. So I think that will only make sense if I expect Green to be less important than decks like Angels or White. I don't think that's the case online right now, but if your metagame calls for it, that's fine. You can play Riddle, Riddle of Sith is the best card against Angels and White, 
but just be aware you cannot play like seven sweepers uh i think four is like the maximum i would play so if you play one suit three events that's fine but like that's that's a maximum. Uh, if I will play one Riddle of Sud, the card I will cut will be the second volley. Uh, then again, I'm not doing this because Grisfang is everywhere, uh, like literally everywhere. But if it was a metagame where there's not as much Grisfang, I will play one Riddle of Sud over one volley from my um, <coughs> from my actual de- my actual decklist here. Like my cyborg is the same in both, uh, almost the same in both versions. So. Um, that, that's what, what I will go. I think the other the other situation is like the abrade in Collagen's Command. I'm now playing Collagen's Command over the um the abrade, but that's very minor. Uh it's a little bit experimental. I played the braid with uh you know for a long time, but now I'm trying command because it's better than the mirror match and it has some other applications. But I do this because I'm playing two volleys. If I will play less volleys, then I will play a braid over command. Then again, again, the same thing of just making sure all the deck is like cohesive. So less answers to white onto Grisfang means I cannot play command because a braid answers both, you know, like Grisfang and Agro cards, like you know, playing against Monarch or whatever, or Spirit, you wanna have a braid because it's instant speed removal. Like it's better than Red Bull, right? Right, right. So that's that's um something I will take into account when making the cyborg. Um <clears throat> so I'm gonna go through a little bit through the different uh, matchups. You know, and, and talk about like how how I think they work. Okay. Now, before I move to there, one more thing is uh, I I'm actually playing three go blanks and not MP Sphere. That's because I think Lotus is not that much played anymore. But the third go blank should be a dumping sphere as long as you expect a little bit of Lotus. Like only I will play the sphere if I spell Lotus. But if that's the case, the third go blank is not going to be Sabrina against many decks. Just only like Phoenix and Grisfang, mostly. Also Lotus itself, but but I would rather have a Dumping Sphere as long as uh, I expect Lotus to be there, which doesn't seem to be that common online anymore, but if you're playing a local CQ or whatever, you know it. You know if Lotus like is expected or not. Um, that's a very close one, you know, so I'm going to talk about like having two blanks on three or three, but you know, that's a minor thing again. All right, let's move to the matchups. Um, so I'm going to go through other matchups and talk about the cyborg cars and how the matchup goes for cyborg. Mirror match. Uh, mirror match, that's, you know, like um, the classic attrition game. For mirror match, I like to take out some amount of thoughts, but not all of them. I like to have two usually. Depending on my deck list, if I have shadow, I will keep one more thought uh, because I have one, one more bad card. But bad cards are duress, hearses, and Thotis. And if I have Liliana, Liliana is bad on the draw. And I want Thotis on the draw instead of Liliana if I have them. Then again, I should you should probably not have them, but you know, just in case. And the good cards are the Braid, Collagen's Command, Van Buster, and Sky Sovereign. So it's usually very straightforward. You take out like Duress, Hers, or Liliana's, and some Thotis, and you put as many good cards as you have in the mirror match. Usually would be four. Like this deck has four. It's almost always four, to be fair. Uh, in terms of gameplay, this is a classic Fable mirror match where, you know, Fable Shieldred, sometimes you have to play removal on the Fable creature, then they play Shieldred and you die. Sometimes you save the removal for Shieldred and then you die to the Fable. Uh, you know, that's how it goes, right? Um, just try to draw better than your opponent because that's the most important thing. <laughs> uh, Grisfang, that's that's where things get trickier. Um, so Grisfang is a matchup. They actually changed quite a bit post cyborg. Like in one, they're like a pure combo deck. They're very bad against Graveyard Hate. And they just often just try to raise you with the um, Parhelen or whatever. They're they're they don't really kill you with chariots and such anymore because of Shieldred. It happens sometimes, but not as much as it used to do before. But the thing is, post cyborg, they are very, very ready to grind you. And that that's something you have to address in the cyborg. Otherwise, you will end losing a lot to cards like the Sky Sovereign or the um their you know their stuff like chariot or whatever that's dangerous. So the way I sideboard usually so I take out Dreadbore, which is that's a bad card obviously. I take out Croxa but only one normally. Uh I take out Bambuster and the rest. The rest is not as it's fine game one, but Cyborg is not that good. And the thing is I add running volley and go blank. And if I have a braid, I also bring a braid. Collagen's command, I am currently only bringing it on the play, but it's it's unclear to me if Collagen's command is better or worse than Bone Crusher. 
I think it's probably similar, um, but I guess you can cut one bone crusher for one column common. It's very close. I am not sure. Uh, big thing here, big things here. So they're trying to grind you more, and Pithy Needle is not very good. Uh, Pithy Needle, if they're playing the Vessel plus the Dena version, I will have them. I will have at least one. But it depends on what you expect them to have. If you have a Pondaglist, it's better. But I will not play two Pithy Needles because if you don't have enough of these cards, just naming the vehicles is not enough. They often trim of the combo, but also have too many things to name. Like if they combo with Fang and they have Skies Overing and Parhalion or whatever, having you Needle 1 will not save you. Right, so Needle is like a card that will often lead into you losing games in the fair way, which you have to avoid at all costs. And in this kind of game is where Crocs, Crocs actually shines. Uh, you have like Randy Volley, Go Blank, Fatal Push, Tatsis. Like these games actually delay a lot often. So, you know, like have lost to hardcast ships that just grind the game forever. This this way, if you have Crocs, you kind of trump whatever they do, even in this case, Overing. And that's why I like to keep one, even though here you def definitely do not like slam crocs onto like discard card or whatever. Uh, that's something I will be very careful with, right? So you can cut some crushers, not too many, because they still kill the two drops. You cut the red board, you cut the crocs, uh, duress and bombuster. Uh, so about the gameplay. So here, one key point is usually you're gonna keep a treasure or, the, or a blood token for the push, so you can actually push the, the rest of the game. That's quite important. And uh, so just make sure, even, even if you're mana flood or whatever, just try to keep the blood token as for as long as you can. Uh, and also keep in mind that sometimes if your hand is like slow but good, you can just represent removal or whatever uh, in many situations because it's not that easy for the opponent to actually just go off against removal, especially on the draw, because they often have like more things to do and... You know, like, it's a common dynamic in the game where you have mana up, you pass, and then turn 4 you have Shieldred, but then you have removal, and you cannot play Shieldred. That's pretty bad for you as a black-red player, the whole dynamic, but uh, that's something they also, they also going to, to follow. Like, you pass a turn 3, and they have the 3, they have Grisfang, and, and they have it in the graveyard. They might just play another Satyr or whatever, or a Vessel, and then you you play you cannot play Shieldred on 4 because they still hold the combo. So you can play this in your favor if your hand is super bad and you have like Shieldred and, you know, like a Harvester and you decide you want to play Shieldred on four. So you can represent removal on, th on two, on three. So they do not go off, not go for, they can go for the Green Fang. So you play Shieldred. So when they go for the Green Fang, you have a, a Shieldred in the battlefield. That's not very good overall, but I'm talking about the hands that are very bad. I'm not talking about like hands where you're actually good. Um, also for the reason... Uh, Go blank is good. Like if they play this way, go blank gives you like ways to punish them. That's why I like to have as many go blanks as I can in this matchup. That's one of the reasons to have three. Uh, probably the biggest one at this point. Uh, if you play that way, go blank is just fantastic against against um, Fang. It often causes your top deck. If you're gonna play slow, obviously command becomes better, but also so there's giant. So it's a little bit of a you know. Like both cards are good, but I will not not cut any of the other any other cards. So that's that's how I will approach the matchup. Just play like this control reactive, and you rely on the gun blanks to to get there. And the games where Croxa shows up, you can actually know Croxa is gonna win the game, so you can just leverage that. So don't cut, don't completely cut it. Mono green. So mono green is um you know a classic pioneer matchup at this point. So against mono green, we sideboard two go blanks. Uh, the plan of uh, Pithy Needle and Station Event, that's the plan that's... It just works against Marin, right? It's just good. And um, the Duress. I do not like the call against Common against Marin, but I haven't tried much recently, but I just don't think it's good. And the Cyborg Out is kind of straightforward. We Cyborg Out the Vehicles. We Cyborg Out the Trespassers. And we Cyborg Out, so, aid removals. Uh, so it's kind of tricky, like... On the play, I like to keep like two bone crushers or something, but sometimes. But on the draw, I take out all the bone crushers and keep all the pushes. That's why, like, on the the reason is because on the play, I don't mind that much if I go fatal push on one or bone crusher or two against an elf. But on the draw, I need to be a fatal push always, right? So that's something you can toy with. That's going to be anyway eight cards, um, and the cyber is going to be eight cards. 
So the, this applies for, for both. It's like a clean 848 in both versions. Then again, I will default to the 25.1, but yeah, so it's 848. Monogreen is a classic. Uh, the gameplay is usually very straightforward. You're the aggressor, but extinction event usually becomes a plague wind. So you can just play aggressor, but because then if you throw extinction event, you know, you can just wipe the board and attack. Uh, extinction event is much better when you attack than, than when you react to the board. I have lost games because I played the Shield before playing Extinction Event, but I also have lost games because I didn't play Shield. So there's not an easy way to do so. But um, just you can try to be somewhat greedy with Extinction Events because there's not that much they can often do if you have enough pressure. Like if you don't have pressure, they can play around it if they're you know if they ha they're in a good position. But if you play Shield a Fable on a Shield, they just cannot <laughs> play around it forever because you're gonna just kill them with Shield, right? So. Um, you know, try to play... Sometimes you have to, like, semi-bluff your decision event or whatever and just hope, like, they, they don't have enough to um, to get there. Like, sometimes you can thoughtsies, you have a creature, a non-creature, and you can take the non-creature... I guess semi-bluff is not a not a good way of saying it, but, like, just count on the decision event because sometimes you're going to need to draw it, right? So you can take the non-creature... So you actually win when you draw the extinction event. And that might actually create them to play differently because they think you have it, even though you don't have it yet. That's something you can use uh, to your advantage. It's not a common thing, but it happens. You know, you can just try to search for those situations. Then control. I mean, control is very straightforward. Control, it is the matchup where having the castle lodge win pays off. That's a matchup where you're getting this mana base over the mutable. Um, castle lodge win, by the way, uh, you... You will you want to try to hold it in your hand until you're gonna use it so it doesn't get filled of ruin without getting a two for one. They also have the manlands as target, so they're often gonna kill the manlands for with the fill of ruin, so it's good to have this card in your hand as long as you can. Overall. Uh this is classic thoughts against control. Uh post sideboard, the idea is you have to be careful about what they might try to sideboard against you. So here having information about the cyborg is very important. So keep in mind that like there's a lot of different ways you could cyborg. My default right now is to cyborg two goblins, two bombusters, duress, needles, and the sky sovereign. And just got, you know, the removals, uh, power kills, and uh, fatal push, and also trespasser and hers. But those cards are like, you know, very relative to, to what they're doing. If you have, if they have like a heavy version of memory deluges, I think I like the third goblank, even though I'm not a big fan of it against control. But I think third goblank is better than calling against command. So, where do things get trickier? Uh, blue white control players usually will have some threats against you. The issue is they're not always the same threats. Some players play Caracal, some players play the Angels. I have played against an opponent once I played three stun him unleashed. All right, so you have to try to, or also can play Elspeth as champion. You have to try to adapt to what you think they have. Of course, you're gonna be blind for game two, but if you go to game three, you will have some information. Uh, a card I've seen myself cyborging a few times already against Blue White is Extinction Event. It's a clean answer to to the Stand Him Unleashed, and you know you can get them sometimes, like more than what it looks. Uh, it's a good, but mostly it's a good answer to the Stand Him, which by the way is not as bad if you play three wall blanks. But if they go for like a lower version of it, uh, you know, let's imagine your opponent plays Bankbusters. In blue white, uh, which is not common, but I have seen also. Uh, then go blank is worse, and then of course you want calling want calling as command, and by all means you don't want playing to play anything like extinction event, right? So just try to you know adapt yourself for game three, but don't be afraid to pull like one card to live with one card, because you're still like a fable and bone crusher. I'm sorry, fable harvester deck, so you can just pivot a lot anyway uh, with the cards. And you're gonna see so many cards. The games are gonna go so long that it's just uh, just fine to to just play yeah, like one command or one extinction event. Extinction event also kills all the sharks. Uh, Shark Typhoon is a big threat here. Like it's one of the biggest um, ways to lose games. So, so many times, game one they just can't just go or game two even like just slam Shark Typhoon for six. Like the cycling is not that that uh, that of a problem, but this Shark Typhoon for six is a problem, right? So. You know, keep that in mind. Uh, Sky Sovereign is very good against the uh, Emperor. That's why I have it. But it's one of the cards you could actually cut. You know, if you feel like you need more commands or distinction event or whatever. But just, you know, all the cards can actually be decent if, you know, they have targets. Rending Volley, I assume, they will, 
it exists, uh, you know, a situation where you bring them in against Blue White. Probably never, but, you know, just just keep your, your eyes open for those situations. Uh, Timur Creativity. So against uh, Creativity, we have a lot of bad cards, of course. We have, like, all these, like, removals that we have too many of them. We have Trespasser. We have Hurts, you know. Uh, but, I mean, our Sabarin is... Like hand disruption, like go blanks and the rest. I like one of the Busters, at least. Um, I could see being two. And if I play a braid, I, if I have a braid, I will play it. And I also like the Colonel's Command, right? So I will also put that. So I do have like a few Cyber Outs already. You see, like, um, you know, the Red Board is bad. And, you know, like the Cetra's Passion hurts. Uh, a card I like to have at least one here is Stinction Event. Um, because if you have power or kill for the Gurm and Stinction Event on the next turn, you just can't undo the combo. And that's something that happens. Uh, and it's not like you're cutting, you know, you're cutting a Dread War for it, which is like, you know, or even like the third Bambuster or, or this or the Sky Sovereign. There's the cards that are just not very good. So I like to keep some removals because they kill Fable. Like you have one Crush and you have like two pushes or whatever. But now I will go to push two Trespasser, one Hearse and two Dread Wars for the three Goblanks, one Duress, one Bambuster, one Command and one Extinction Event. That's what I did in the PT and that's what I will do right now. Uh, as you can see, I cyborg in a Stinction Event one-off a lot. So even if you think Monolith is not played, I will still recommend keeping one or two in the deck because the card is just so good against many different things. So that's the approach. Uh, creativity, I mean, it's a combo against mid-range matchup, so you are the aggressor, and you have to make sure you pressure enough while attacking their hand somehow. This is a matchup where Liliana is better than Croxa, by the way. So if, if this is a deck that's very played um, in your area... Uh, along with Lotus, these two decks are the reasons to play uh, to play Liliana, just in case. I said I said I don't like it, but you know, just making sure um, that's clear. Next, we move to Lotus. Lotus is similar. That's probably the matchup I played the most because in my life, the last PT, all my teammates like this deck, so I played this this too much. <laughs> and the general idea is obviously used to cut the removals, you got the final push, the dreadboards, the hearses, and the dispatch or whatever, and, and just put like cards that are good against them. You put Duress, Goblang, Pithy Needle, Bumbuster. And I like to have some interaction. I like to keep all the three power kill. And depending on their version, now I will play the Colonial's Command because everyone has like a Satyr or two, you know. Also the Command is like fine. This card a card, that, that's okay. Because you often try to make them like not have cards in hand and they have like this one turn where they top deck or or, you know, top of the card and kill you, you can discard them and draw step, and they can just not cast it. It's not great, but I think it's better than Trespasser. Um, but it could be... A, it could, I could see a world where Trespasser is better than Colin's Command, but the rest eight cards, push, Dreadboard, Hearse, and Trespasser are definitely going to be swapped with the four Discus spells, two Needles, and two Bombuster. So that's eight for eight, and then to model um, Colin's Command for Trespasser. If you see Baral, you can play the Herending Bolly. Uh, again, Liliana will be great in this matchup. So there's a few things in the gameplay. Um, you have to pressure them. That's uh, super important. This is a matchup where you should not keep like super slow hands that do not pressure them. Pressure can be disruption. Like you can have pressure in terms of like just the the game plan is gone. Like if you have like three go blanks and the duress that's a keep because you're pressuring their hand. But you have to be very good at pressuring one of the, the two things. Like if you go Harvester, Fable, Shielder, that's a keep also. Even though, you know, like it's not exactly disruptive but it's not a good hand game one to keep something like you know two removals and a fable and the draw and a trespasser like that that's not gonna you know just mulligan and and go for the next hand uh there are there are a few corner cases that can happen in this matchup the most important one though is game one or even game two sometimes even though they usually have the camera uh you can often get rid of one of a very important pieces like if you know how many win conditions they have. That's important too, because so many versions, they will actually struggle to kill you if you like exile some of the important parts. Like if you get rid of the Omniscience, sometimes it's not easy for them to combo. If you get rid of Masterman's Acquisition game one, if they don't play Fae of Wishes, they have to kill you with, you know, like the creatures, or if you play Love the Hydra with Love the Hydra. And that's, you know, that, that's something they can do, but also involves like, you know, them just throwing the whole leg and you sort of want your permanence or whatever, but the thing is, you're still black red, so you might, you know, if this is like turn five or six or whatever the combo, uh, you are likely gonna have like dread boards or fatal pushes or whatever. So you might, you know, you might get there. I, 
that's this has happened to me more than once and twice. Like you, you just make them unable to combo. So those are not common situations, but they happen. You know, and since they happen, uh, you should take advantage of those situations when they rise. Often, like with Thoughtseize plus hers, or Thoughtseize plus Trespasser, that's the most common thing. Or you crux uh, the brick card, the Nissans, and you just, you know, right away, just exile it with Trespasser. And suddenly, they have to go through a lot of things to combo. They can still combo. Like, Lotus often can still just draw, like, most of the deck or whatever, but it's not that easy, especially if you have, like, yeah, like, not... One example is you have them in Omniscience and Nullier because you have like Hearse and Power Kill. That's not that easy for them to actually get there. So just make sure you keep an I mean keep an eye open for for those situations. They're not common. And they're certainly not very common for Cyborg, but also happens with Go Blank sometimes. Because Go Blank make it so you play Go Blank on three, and sometimes they have like these development cards and the big cards. But if you discard the big cards, they're gone for good. And if they discard the development cards, well they don't develop. So it also happens that you can go blank with masterminds or whatever omniscience, and then just power kill the the big guys, and that or, or discard the Sakama. That that's those games matter, and it could save your tournament. So keep an keep an eye for those. <clears throat> All right, let's go to Gruul. Mm, Gruul is one of the best, the, the worst matchups. Like it's a bad matchup. Um, so the plan that works in my experience to Gruul is just to move into like a control deck. Um, that's something that was seen in the, I think, Canadian regionals, where they just had, like, four bombusters and just went, like, full removals, cutting creatures to just, uh, you know, make the Kron War worse and just make sure you can just play the long game with them. That I think that's the best plan against Gruul. I don't think you should try to go under, but just, like, control them. Of course, they have chariots and they have uh, sky sovereigns on the side, so it's not super easy, but I think it's still better than just play Harvester into Fable into their Bonecrusher into sky sovereign. So what I do, uh, what I want to do right now is like I'm doing four harvesters and two trespassers and two dreadboards and one hearse, which is nine, for uh, two needles, Kaisovering, Colliance Command, Slash Abraid, Dures, two bombusters, and then on the last two cards there's like two extinction events or one extinction event, one go blank. That depends a little bit on what I see on also like what I think they have, but usually two extinction events. I'm, I have played go blank against rule and it's not as bad as it looks. Because you move the, this game into like this attrition matchup, so it's actually decent. Um, <clears throat> Croxa is the most important card we have here. That's uh, you know, I I, I named once like the use in a game where I have like the Croxa and I was gonna flip it then with Needle. I mean, uh, Croxa is what makes us win the games. If they have like this vehicle, a Kron War based hand, uh, Croxa just will trump all of them. So I will, I think that's a good be careful with. Naming Sky Sovereign with Needle before you actually see a Sky Sovereign when they have it, because I have named Sky Sovereign just only to draw mine and they don't draw theirs, and that's very you know, annoying. So, also, you usually want to wait if you can, because of Croxa, you know, yeah, you're on Sky Sovereign. Also, I guess a Kron War, a common sequence is like you play Shoulder, they play Kron War, and then the next turn they play Vehicles, so you can they can create. Uh, that's where you want to needle it, actually. So you get the shoulder back, and they cannot attack very well the turn. So, you know, this kind of sequences, there's a lot of play for on this matchup, but just make sure you understand how, how the deck works. And It's a bad matchup still, but I think the Sebo plan is fine. So let's go through a little bit more. Uh, so it's gonna, Phoenix. Phoenix is rather complex. Uh, Phoenix is a matchup where you can use go control the same way uh, we do against um, Gruul. Or we can also just play in a straightforward game for Cyborg. Uh, game one, Hearthstop is like a game over situation. Most of the time, they just cannot kill you. But for Cyborg, now, uh, before I used to go control, but I think now I like to just go like, um, you know, normal black red mid range with, um, we just put three go blanks, we just put the rest, and we put like the Bambusters because they attack very well. Running Volley depends on what they have. If they have the Drakes, you want Running Volley. Um, in the dark, without knowing if they have a lot of drakes or not, I guess I will play them anyway. And the bad cards we have here are Dreadbore and Bonecrusher Giants. Those are, the, those are like the, the weakest cards. I like Bambuster, like one copies or two, and I don't like them to play too many pushes. You can cut one push uh, if you want, but... You know, it depends on, on what we think they will do. That's very hard because all the different Phoenixes deck Cyborg differently, so it's not automatic like i think something like four bone crushers two dread boards and po one power kill for something like the four disco spells one volley and two bombusters is good 
Uh, if you think they have like a super controlling approach and your creatures are bad, you can cyborg out the, sky, the um, harvesters and play the station events. But that makes your deck super clunky, so beware of that. Like it, it can be dangerous. So it, it, I think it works also as a plan. But I think the thing is, both plans work in a way, right? Because Goblank is a little bit better if you're pressuring them because they have to spend the time developing the the board instead of like casting a lot of like piece of a puzzle or whatever. But yeah, overall the matchup is just fine. I think the matchup is you know it's good, but not like a buy or anything. I don't think I don't think Blackroot has any like super good matchups. And I think um, that's consistent for this deck. It doesn't also have too many bad matchups, except one. I think the worst matchup for this deck are the four to five uh, color decks, like Incarnation, you know, Bring to Light. All these matchups are just bad. Like, the sideboarding obviously depends on what they have, but usually I don't bother sideboarding like Go Blanks, Adam Board Station Event. I mostly don't sideboard in these matchups. I usually have like Duress and Sky Sovereign. And sometimes one busters if their cards are bad, like against incarnation, I, I will cyborg like hers is out, and trespassers are out, and I guess maybe one of the red boars. Not even that. No, I just set two trespassers and one hers for like one sky shape, one one buster, one rest. I will cyborg these three cards. Just because you want to go like as aggressive as you can, and your aggressive cards are on the main deck anyway. You wanna go like harvester into fable into shouldred with a dress in the middle and hope they stumble and die. Like the matches are just bad, and you know if you expect a lot of these decks, it's probably not a good day to play a black red mid range. Then again, I say bad; it's not as bad as how the matches are bad in the meta game, but it's it's as bad as it gets for black red. So I do not have a very strong sample plan for those decks. There are ways to combat to combat those. Like feed the swarm is a card that I found extremely good against the incarnation deck, but. Then again, if you expect a lot of these decks, I think it's better to just not play Black Red instead of having a plan. If you're locked into playing Black Red for, you know, car availability reasons or whatever, and just expect some incarnations, yeah, Feed the Swarm is a card I will probably play. Uh, I don't know what I will cut, most likely Rending Volley, but, you know, then again, that's uh, something that I don't think I will do it. And then, at last, last, I want to talk about Angels a little bit. Also, they just look wide, I guess, because they are the two two decks that are relevant are left. Um, they don't play as different as my look, though. Like, supporting is similar. Um, like we're basically morphing into black-red control against both. Uh, we want, like, to play the volleys, the Sinshin events, and the Sky Sovereign. Um, the difference here are the cards we cut. For example, against Angels, Crux is critical. Like, it's so good. We're definitely not touching it. And we have, like, all the removals in our deck. You can cut some of the power kills. Uh, now against Angels, I will most likely cut two power kills, two Trespasser, one Duress, and one Hearse, playing three power kills. I don't mind leaving one power kill. There's a lot of targets, and, and you know, sometimes you have to kill one, and that's fine. You just save the removal, you know, it's okay, and just play like, yeah, like two volleys, three events, and one ship. But against Winnie, we cyborg in the same, but the cyborg is different because of, you know, like, discards. This is one of the matches where I like to shave Kroxa. Like, instead of two, I would play one Kroxa. And Trespasser is actually, I think, good against Winnie. Like, I don't think it's a, it's a bad card, you know. It blocks well, gains some life. I, I like to have it in my deck. Uh, I don't like Manbuster for obvious reasons. And one card I I don't like much is Threadbore. I don't think it's bad, but I will not... Like, I don't like to have them on the draw. Like, there's no good Dreadboard target on the draw. It's just like, you know, you cannot kill Thalia. Killing Adeline is very bad on the draw. There's just not enough for me. So we're having, like, f four bad cards. Duress, Croxa, and the two vehicles. We're putting six. So for the last two cyborg, so on the draw, I will cyborg out two Dreadboards on top of two vehicles, Crocs and Duress. And on the play, I will cyborg out two Thotsis. Yeah, I think Thotsis is actually fine on the draw against Winnie. You, you want to curve, and you want to have something to play if you don't draw the your final pushes and I also thought it's still fine to to play mid game it's an answer to the annoying um winning announcement or whatever speaking of which by the way there's a card i don't play which is hitetsugu's uh the one red black the exiles one or less that would be good against winnie but i think you need a lot of sacrifice on winnie for specifically to play this deck and once again if you play a lot of expect a lot of sacrifice um don't play this deck uh, speaking of which by the way now i'm here Against Sacrifice, I like to play Needle, I like to play uh, Sky Sovereign, and I like to play Bankbusters, but 
you don't want to delay your deck too much. So you want to cut hers, you want to cut um, the two spacers. And here, that's a matchup where I want to cut the power kills. So now I will go for Trespasser, Power Kill, and Hearse, which is 6 for 3 vehicles, Command, and 2 Needles. That's uh, that's my idea, but then again, this deck is built in a world where there's not too much sacrifice and there's a lot of Grease Fangs, and also like a, quite a bit of mirror matches, that's why so many Power Kills, which is pretty good because it kills Shieldred. And yeah, I mean, that's all the matchups I consider like relevant nowadays in, in Pioneer. Of course, there are more decks, but it's more like, you know, more Tagro, Spirits, or whatever. I think we covered like 12 decks. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's how I will play the deck. And that, those are my thoughts in all the matchups. Uh, I probably missed some of the details, but overall, I think I talk about all my plans on the decks, and I think um, that's all I have. Uh, I think the hard part of Black Red is knowing how to approach the, the games, because I think if you know how to approach the matchup, the games itself actually often play themselves. Like, if you know you're playing Control, it's not that hard to just play Control. The issue is know when you have to play Control. But if you set board in a way where you're controlling, well, then your games is going to be... The games are going to be easier, right? I mean, I, th I think Magic often goes this way. Like, if you deck build, right, uh, or you, like, draft right, or you say board right, your games are often easier because, you know, you already crafted the direction, so you don't have to move that much from the direction because you already set the path for you for your future game and i think that's also very common in black red where you know if you don't draw cards that are discoordinated in a game your your gameplay is going to be smoother also so well yeah uh, that's it for today uh that was my audio guide which is kind of an article but in audio um so let me know if on the feedback you know my twitter or whatever and also in the podcast discord if you're a patreon um if you liked it if you would like more of this type of content that's something we might we might do if we have like a deck we know a lot about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, thanks for listening and see you in the regular episodes with Anthony and, and Mengu. And yeah, see you there in the Carnies. Uh, bye bye.